friends, let us join together in our call to worship. Surely God's salvation is at hand, and God's glory will dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. Show us your steadfast love, O God, and grant us your salvation. Amen. In this Advent season, we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. Confident of that truth, we confess before God and one another those parts of our life that remain shadowed, even as we pray for God's strength to bring our whole lives into the light of God's truth 
and mercy. Let us pray. God of steadfast love and mercy, we confess our sins before you. In your light, we recognize how many of our decisions and our priorities are shaped by the wisdom of this present age. We have brought much pain and trouble upon ourselves, and we have contributed to the trouble and pain of others. Forgive us in your grace and mercy, and teach us your ways through Jesus Christ, your beloved Son and wisdom. Amen. every mountain made low. Now the glory of the Lord is revealed, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. In Christ, we have peace with one another and with God, and we share in that peace in worship. Online, I invite you to take this moment to share your presence with us by scanning the QR code on the screen or clicking on the link below the video player as we here in the sanctuary greet one another with words and signs of peace. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. Well, good morning, friends, and indeed a warm welcome to worship here on this second Sunday of Advent, the season of hopeful expectation and preparation. It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas, both outside and in, and even though we don't have candy canes or silver lanes that glow, we do have coffee and other refreshments at coffee hour after the service, and you can find that out the double doors to your left, where you can stop by not only to warm up, but to learn more about how you might be involved in our church's mission and ministry. And also at the end of your row, you'll find pew pads that help us to know of your presence with us. We'd be grateful to you if you took the time not only to sign in, but to note the names of those who are seated around you so that we can greet one another by name following worship. I know a warm smile and a welcome goes a long way these days, and we would love for our church to be a space of hospitality for everyone who is joining us. 
which also includes those who are joining us online as well from a wide variety of places ranging from La Jolla to Freeport, South Carolina, and even Jamaica. It is great to have you worshiping with us as well. Now, as you flip through the closing pages of your bulletin, you'll find a wide variety of ways to observe this Advent season, from this evening's Festival of Advent Lessons and Carols, which will be here in the sanctuary at 6.30 p.m., to next Saturday's Tower Brass Concert. And looking ahead, you'll also note that we will have a single 10 a.m. morning service on December 24th, December 25th, as well as on the 31st, along with four evening services on Christmas Eve at 4, 6, 8, and 10 p.m. Today is also the last day to make contributions to Christmas flowers to help decorate the sanctuary space on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So if you would like to honor or remember someone with a flower contribution and have their name appear in the Christmas bulletin, we do hope that you will share that request by the end of today. And finally, even though she's been on staff for several weeks now, we are delighted to have Amy Pagliarella leading worship with us today. Amy is the Parish Associate for Caring Ministries, a position that helps take Fourth Church into the homes of older adults who may not be able to gather here with us in person. So if you have not yet had the opportunity to meet Amy, we'll hope you'll do so after worship. And we are so delighted, Amy, to have you as a part of our staff, so welcome. And as always, friends, the closing pages of your bulletins do have a great deal of information about other opportunities to share Christmas joy, whether that's making a light up life gift, participating in our Christmas wishes for our tutoring program, and much more. From giving to concerts to fellowship opportunities, this truly is such a joyous time of year, and we are grateful to have you here among us. So again, welcome to worship here at Fourth Church. Thank you. 
So as we prepare now to turn our hearts and minds to scripture, let us pray. Gracious God, your vision of peace and wholeness comes to us both in sweeping visions and in tiny signs of hope. So may you kindle our hearts to see the warmth of your love that we might be a hopeful people. May you help us to see your glory and love through the reading and preaching of your word, and we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Our Psalter lesson this morning comes to us from the prophet Isaiah, the 40th chapter, verses 1 through 11. So let us listen now for God's word to us. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See the Lord God comes with might and God's arm reigns. God's reward is with him and God's recompense before her. God will feed the flock like a shepherd. God will gather the lambs up and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. This is the word of the God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. be seated and we'll continue to welcome forward any children who will be attending Sunday school this morning. So kids, on this second Sunday of Advent, we will continue to open up our Bibles as we patiently await the baby Jesus arrival and we are so excited for all of the ways that you are continuing to learn and grow. So I'll give everyone just a minute more to make their way up to the front. This is lovely to have you all. And blessings to you and your teachers as you head upstairs to your classrooms now. <laughs> Thank you. 
Our second reading comes to us from the opening verses of the Gospel of Mark. Give ear to this, that we might hear the Word of God for us. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Well, John the Baptist greets us every Advent, and he's quite the character, although he comes with some anger issues, according to some. In Luke's gospel, John warns the axe is at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and cast into unquenchable fire. Not exactly Christmas card material. In Matthew's gospel, the first words out of John's mouth are, you brood of vipers. I've been preaching for 35 years. I have never started a sermon, you brood of vipers. I'm not, not saying I haven't thought about it from time to time, but I haven't done it. But in Mark's telling, we're greeted by a kinder, gentler John the Baptist, not angry, strange, no doubt. He's strange. His diet is strange. He wears clothes that have, haven't been in style since the days of Elijah the Tishbite. And he wants everyone to know that the one coming after him will usher in a new day. In that sense, John was kind of the original interim pastor. John pleads with everyone to repent, repent. The Greek word translated repent is metanoia, and metanoia literally means to turn around, to go in a different direction. John the Baptist is the metanoia man. He sees the world as it is and knows how God can make it. So he calls ordinary folks like you and me to change, to repent. Repentance is not a very Presbyterian word, although maybe it should be. It's, not, it's just not an attractive word. When people tell us we need to change, it often makes us defensive. My wife Carol and I, we were at dinner one evening, and she interrupted a quiet moment, and she said, Tom R., there are some absolutely wonderful things about you. I thought this is going to be a good dinner. <laughs> and then she continued. 
And she said, and I'm having to focus really hard on those wonderful things because there's some other things about you that otherwise would drive me crazy. Not exactly the dinner I'd hoped. When someone says you need to change even if you know they're right, well, we don't always want to hear that. So it's fascinating to me. It's absolutely fascinating to me how many people went out to hear John the Baptist? Mark says the whole Judean region and all of Jerusalem went out to hear John, really all of them. Evidently, John the Baptist was more popular than Taylor Swift. What do you suppose it was that made John so magnetic? He was strange in many ways, but perhaps never more so than his conviction that repentance was actually possible. John clearly believes that tomorrow can be a new day, not just yesterday lived all over again. John is convinced that ordinary people like you and me can turn over a new leaf, that the burdens and injuries and failings of our yesterdays can be set down, and that we can claim love, compassion, even joy. John was absolutely convinced that we as individuals and we as a community can mature. Do you think he promises too much? We live in crazy times. My friend Ted Wardlaw, he said, doesn't it feel like somebody opened a door and all the grown-ups left the room? It sort of feels that way. Sometimes I wonder if John promises too much. But at the same time, uh, there's a part of me that is drawn to him. I, I have been surprised to discover over time that I have grown rather fond of this bug-eating wilderness metanoia man. There's a place in my soul that he and he alone speaks to. I think the magnetism of John has baffled me because I've so often heard John's call to repentance is some angry judgment. But maybe all of the Judean region and all of Jerusalem, maybe they all trekked out to hear this wilderness prophet because what they heard in his voice was not judgment, but hope. If I understand the text, the people sought him out because they understood repentance not as an indictment, but as a possibility. John's words were not a threat. They were a promise. Tomorrow can be a different day. Do you believe that? Advent is the season of trying that hope on for size. That's why in the long tradition of Christian worship, John the Baptist has always been sort of the warm-up band for Advent. The re and repentance may be the most hopeful word in Scripture because it promises that we don't have to be who we have always been.
a little history. When, John write, when Mark writes this gospel, his congregation is facing opposition. Persecution hangs in the air. And the reaction of the faithful was varied. There were some who said, we must take on the tools of our enemies. If they strike us, we strike back. There were some who said, it's time to cash in our chips. It's time to go home. We've tried this Jesus is Lord thing, but there's no evidence of it. I'm, I'm out. But others, and maybe most, sought compromise. They tried to blend in, keep their heads down, don't make waves. Privately, they confessed their faith, but publicly, they wanted to look like everyone else. They accommodated. It's these folks who Mark has in mind when he reminds us of John the Baptist. For John says, wait a minute, this is not a faith you dabble in. This is not a faith you sprinkle over your other convictions. This is not a faith you're casual about. This faith does not fit in with business as usual. This faith changes us. Jesus calls us to stand tall in a world of smallness, to trust that kindness is a power, to see the least of these as family, to love those who agree with us and to love those who don't. But the ways of Jesus can seem a long way away from reality, for the ways of greed and violence define so much of the world. It does feel that someone opened a door and all the grown-ups left, and it can make us cynical. It can cause us to wonder if anything can really change. Can there be a new day? Or are we continuously caught by the failings and injuries of yesterday? Understanding this temptation to cynicism is why I'm inspired by these folks who went to the wilderness to bet their souls on a better day, to trust that love that was coming could breathe their best selves into being. I've never been persecuted like Mark's congregation but I know something of accommodation. I embrace Christianity, but then when pressure comes because the demands of faith don't fit comfortably in culture, I hedge, I soft pedal, I pull back, I accommodate. And the truth is often I'm okay with that. It's actually what I want. I want enough faith to be meaningful, but not so much that I lose control. Professor Diogenes Allen once said, I found myself wondering what it would be like to actually live every moment aware of the presence of God. And then he quickly said, it's not that I actually want that. It would be quite daunting. I get that. I want to be faithful. And I know that taking up your own cross is a metaphor, but I want it to remain an abstract metaphor, a theological construct. I don't actually want to sacrifice. 
But then sometimes I actually find myself dissatisfied with that and I wish I were more faithful. I feel less at home with a casual embrace of the call of Christ. I want to mature a little bit. And I know that will require some kind of discipline that I'm not used to. But I want to be more of the person that Jesus believed I could be. I want to be part of a community that can offer hope to a culture that is seemingly convinced our best days lie behind us. I want to grow up a bit. Do you know what I'm talking about? If I understand it, that's why everyone went out to hear John. There comes a point when we have to put all of our chips down on hope and be willing to sacrifice for it. In the mid-1980s, I traveled to Nicaragua. The nation was at war at the time. I visited a little village called Hikaro. They were coffee farmers for the most part. But at night, soldiers would slip into the coffee fields and plant landmines in an effort to prevent coffee from being harvested. The farmers knew the risk, but they had to harvest the coffee or they couldn't survive. A few days before we arrived, a young boy with his father were picking beans. He ended up on a landmine. It blew him to bits. A few days later, I sat in a dirt floor chapel with a small coffin up front, listening to Amazing Grace being sung in a language I did not know. I could not speak. Then this child's young mother she wrapped her arm around that little coffin that held the pieces of her son. And as she wept, she pleaded, stop, stop, enough, basta, 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 enough. And in that heartbreaking moment, I wanted nothing so much as the promise of John the Baptist, repentance is the only way out. I think faith is like that. We go along and we get along and then the Spirit creates a hunger in us for change. For from time to time, we want to be the people John believes we can be. And if you're like me, and maybe you're not, but if you're like me, you actually don't want that every day. If you're like me, you're actually okay with the way things are most days. But when you do want that change, that's when we need this metanoia man we find in Mark's gospel. Mark is a gospel for grown-ups. Mark is a gospel for the spiritually mature. Mark is a gospel for those who see life as it is and know that we aren't home yet and want to engage the discipline to make it better. I think I've remembered this week the face of that mother from Hikaro, Nicaragua because I feel like I see her face on the news every night. 
as we watch the horrors of the Middle East. We watch the supposed grown-ups teach yet another generation to hate each other. It is the certain fruit of this violence. As families are destroyed, it is nothing short of arrogance to assume the children who survive will not grow to hate those who kill their families. Violence is a sloppy tool and seldom achieves honorable purposes, and it can make us cynical. But then John sends John, that God sends John the Baptist to remind us that repentance is possible. I read about John the Baptist in the Chicago Tribune last Sunday. It was a story of Rabbi Jordan Ben-Dot Appel and Fatih Yildirim, one a Jew, the other an Arab. They saw each other at a protest at O'Hare in 2017. Both of them, fathers, carrying their elementary age children on their shoulders. It was that common link of humanity. Being a father who desperately wants his children to grow up to neither, neither be the destroyers nor the destroyed. It was that common humanity that brought them together and a friendship began. The Tribune spoke of how they remain in touch, particularly when one or the other experiences violence in their communities, which is almost all the time. I read the story and prayed that maybe those two elementary age children, now teenagers, will trust that it is possible not to hate one another. That's what repentance looks like. If you are like me, there are many days I refuse to let my faith call me to newness, but then some days come along and we hunger for life to be different. We hunger for, your, for marriage to come off autopilot, for, for parenting to discover joy again. We hunger for friendships that will speak of things that matter, for our consumerism to reflect compassion for the world. There will be days when you hunger for the world to teach the children to love one another, not to hate one another, and for the hungry to find their way to the feasting table, for there to be a love that meets us where we are, but refuses to leave us as we are. In those days, we find ourselves trekking out to this wilderness metanoia man to the place of unfamiliar words and the boldest of hopes. You will find yourself pushing through the crowds, hoping to feel some of that baptismal water that can wash yesterday's injuries away. When you find yourself there, there is no better news than the promise of this metanoia man who has bet his soul that repentance is possible for ordinary folks like you, and me. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Now please remain standing as we affirm together what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. The white rose in the chancel this morning is in memory of George Van Verst, who died peacefully at home this week. We give thanks for his life and for the gift of life eternal. Friends, we are a community that prays together. And so as we prepare to lift up our shared prayers, please know that anyone seeking individual prayer is invited to join the deacons immediately following the service. You'll find them in Stone Chapel through the doors to your right. And if you're worshiping with us online and would like a more personal prayer, please do reach out to any one of us this week so that we may pray with you. Now let's all go to God with a word of prayer. Holy One, only you have the power to break into this messy world. And you are coming, coming once again, entering the brokenness of our world and showing us the peace of yours. Help each and every one of us to catch glimpses of the Christmas joy that lies ahead in yesterday's sunny warmth, in today's brisk chill. Remind us to listen to listen for the bell ringers, to pause under twinkling lights, and to share the season's joy with strangers and friends alike, whether today at coffee hour or on the 147 bus. Almighty God, comfort those who sit in darkness and proclaim your peace in all corners, in Gaza and Israel, the Ukraine and here in Chicago, where we pray for the families of those who experienced shootings in Englewood and Archer Heights just in the past couple days. We pray for every place where children and innocents bear the brunt of our world's propensity for war. And we pray with hope, knowing that through you, God, we have the power to change. And so we ask you to send that hope and use it to help calm the fears, God, remind everyone, us and them, that you go before and that we are never alone. And in your mercy, loving God, be present to all who need you, to those who are lonely and isolated, to those estranged from loved ones, to those who are sick and to those who are the caretakers, and with those who were harmed just yesterday in tornadoes or who lost someone in Tennessee, we ask God that you would help all of us to experience your real presence, 
to know that with you beside us, we are not alone. And gentle God, keep us from being frazzled and overwhelmed this time of year. When we experience just a moment of stress or anxiety, help us to be still, to breathe. And as we do, remind us that this Advent time of waiting and watching is just one of your many, many gifts to us. And so as that gift, God, enter our hearts and allow us to experience the kind of peace that only you can give. And now as we gather with all those who love you, God, may we join our voices in the prayer that Jesus taught his friends, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we have the chance to give back to God. You are invited to give in the pews or through the QR code on your screen. Friends, with gratitude, your morning offering is now received.
Now let us join in our prayer of dedication. Gracious God, in your goodness, you offer us blessing upon blessing. We joyfully share the fruits of these blessings with you and with all people. Guide us to use these gifts to do your work so that all may flourish and thrive today and every day. Amen.
As we go from this place, remember this. The love of God calls you by name. It is a love that will never let you go. Let that love encourage and inspire you to do the good that is yours to do, to share the love that is yours to share, and trust that God will use that to lead us to God's promised day. And now may the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of God's Spirit rest and abide with us all now and forever. Amen.